welcome to the Levantex podcast where your voices are heard and today we are focused on a story and our next guest has a great one. So Elie Dare, originally from Bigfeya in Lebanon, talks to me about his journey so far, what he's learned and what he hopes to share with the people of his country. Elie, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Sophie. It's my pleasure to be here. Eli, let's start um, by telling our guests a little bit about you. Now, I do know that you did leave Lebanon and you headed over to the United States of America. And uh, you had the pleasure of studying at Columbia University. Now, the interesting thing is after you finished at Columbia is that you decided to teach there. Now, can you tell our guests what you were teaching and what did it spiral to and where you are today? Yes, absolutely. Um, actually, I started teaching and I was invited as a guest teacher at Columbia recently. I started last year and it was um, it happened a bit by serendipity. So a few years ago in 2016, I founded my own company, Lead From Within. And I've always had it on my bucket list to teach at Columbia one day and actually teach in general. But Colombia was a big dream of mine since it's my alma mater, but also in Lebanon too. And uh, in 2019, two years ago, I actually ran a workshop at USG on leading with emotional intelligence. And that's part of the work that I do. I do this with usually with corporate executives. And I found a lot of joy in doing that. And last year, I just had the idea while we were all in lockdown to send an email to my connections back at Columbia because I figured that I could potentially teach remotely since everyone is doing their work remotely. And uh, I introduced the idea and they liked it and they got me onto their uh, professional development and training center. And I'm teaching a class called Leading with Emotional Intelligence to the the master's students who are going through the same program, who are going through the same program that I went through in 2013. Why? Why did you focus on emotional intelligence? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, we teach what we most need to learn. And um, that's definitely true for me and my story. So um, I struggled in my, uh, in, my, in my youth and really up to my early 20s, mid-20s, I struggled a lot with timidity. I struggled a lot with managing my own emotions. Um, I grew up a bit in an, in an environment where being sensitive as a man is not, is not very um, appreciated, if you like. And um, so I, I, I struggled with having a, um, an effective relationship with that part of myself. And I went through a very long and deep and challenging journey of understanding myself, of understanding my emotions and um, the the purpose of my emotions and how I could actually use my emotions towards effectiveness, towards fulfillment, towards creating better relationships. And um, one thing led to another over the years. I I realized that um, I was finding a lot of passion in my own pursuit, in my own uh, hero's journey, if you want. And uh, the next logical step for me, it happened in 2016 when I realized, okay, I need to start helping other people doing the same now. 
and it really started one relationship at a time. You know, I, I got I got a coaching certification and I started coaching people. At first, I was just coaching my friends and they were finding a lot of value in it. And then my friends started to refer me to their friends and and some of their friends were high achieving individuals on Wall Street and um, the tech scene in San Francisco. And the more value I was creating, the more confidence I was getting um, in what I was doing and in my pursuit and more creativity as well. And this is how, you know, a, a one-on-one coaching um, perk, if you want, you know, at first it was like just fun to do and I was finding a lot of fulfillment in doing it. It transformed into a, an established coaching practice, a management consulting company, and also what I'm teaching today. You know, I'm, I'm helping USG, I'm helping Veritech as well. I think what's really interesting is what you just uh, said. You know, you had um, contacts with Wall Street and San Francisco and the tech uh, side of everything in San Francisco. Now, how did, how did that um, pan out? Uh, you are quite young. And I'm sure the people that you were speaking to were maybe a little bit older. How did you did you find it difficult to try and relay this message of emotional intelligence and leadership, and uh, body language and rapport and all of this with um, people that may be older than you? Yes, you know I, I have a story that uh, our listeners might might appreciate about uh, actually in 2017. So I was, I was 27 at the time. I had already started uh, it, identifying myself as a coach. So I, I was working in an AI company and um, I still had my full-time job, but on the side, I was making sure to grow my practice and to grow my name. And so I started identifying as a coach and I was with my girlfriend at the time in a, um, in a wedding in Belgium and I was sitting on a table full of CEOs in their 50s, gray hair CEOs. Um, they, were, they were relatives of my girlfriend. And, uh, you know, th- these are people like, for example, the guy who founded Canal Plus in, um, in Belgium. And he was, he, it, it was his wedding. And one of, one of them asked me, you know, they, what, what do you do? And I said, I'm a, I'm a coach and I, um, I help um, executives getting more fulfillment and more performance by understanding themselves better and increasing their emotional intelligence. And one of them, uh, no, actually he told me, aren't you, aren't you young to be a coach? Like, what, how old are you? And uh, one of them made a joke and he said, no, but you have to be careful. He started when he was six years old. And I don't know where it came, um, where my answer, my, my answer came from. And this is where I find a lot of blessing in being Lebanese. I told him, listen, if you're born in Lebanon and um, you have to deal with all the turmoil of being in a country like mine, and um, even from be- before I was born, I've had to experience war, being in the womb of my mother. And then as soon as I was born, I had to, um, I had to travel out, of, out to Canada. Then you could say that, yes, I actually, I did start when I was six years old. And, um, they all, you know, there was a really deep silence on the table and, and, the, and the executive who, act, who actually asked me the question told me, you know what, you're, you're, you're right. It's all about life experience at the end of the day. Some, some people are in their 50s, but they, they don't really experience much of life. It's, it's really what you make of it. 
And at the end, he came to me and gave me his uh, his email address and told me to contact him. <laughs> Eli, that that's that's wonderful. That's amazing. And I think uh, you were spot on by saying, you know, people that are brought up in uh, really turbulent uh, countries, one being Lebanon, um, it, you do face so many different things and, and challenges towards your emotional self and your EQ, as we say it, um, <clears throat> where you've had to sort of come out uh, from your parents' shadow and understand that what they went through in the war and what they projected mm -hmm. onto you uh, has, has, a, has a serious effect on uh, who you are and who you become. So that is a wonderful answer. I'm very impressed that you came up with that one. That was so spot on that you managed to put a 50-year-old CEO in his place, especially, in the, especially when you're dealing with so much ego in the, the corporate world. Um, well done, Eli. <laughs> and I'm so glad you know, that you're I, managing to succeed on this front. Uh, tell me, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say, and I, I even surprised myself. You know, I, I, um, I don't know where, it, where that answer came from. And I really saw it as um, me speaking my truth and feeling a deep sense of, of mission and purpose in what I'm doing and believing in the quality of the work that I'm doing, because I've, I've made a lot of sacrifices to follow this journey. And um, yeah, I'm very happy and humbled to be here. I think it's very interesting that you mentioned sacrifices, and I think it's going to be nice for everybody to know. Um, I met uh, Ili through a very, very good friend of mine. And the reason why he got in touch with me and asked me to speak with Ili is because he was so fascinated and impressed by the journey that Ili has had. Um, and his main point that he made to me is that, Ili, you did manage to make quite a bit of money doing this. And you decided to put 80% of your savings, if I'm right, into Beirut banks. And you are currently <laughs> living abroad. So how are you managing to deal with that now that we're facing this financial crisis and there's the capital control? Do you even have access to your money? And how has that made you feel in going forward and your relationship with Lebanon? Obviously, you felt some form of um, uh, drive and, and, and reason to come back. And maybe it wasn't physically, but you said, you know what, I'm going to put my money there and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back home one day. How, has that all changed for you now? Uh, putting my money there, yes, that has definitely changed. Going back to my, to my country, to my home, that has not changed. Actually, I, I, I feel it more. I, I really believe that there is a, there is a silver lining to this, um, but I don't want to sound also like it's all positive. Uh, like since I graduated from Columbia, I, I worked in the tech scene and with tech startups in, in New York and San Francisco and, and in London. And all of the money that I've saved, well, actually not all of it, but yes, more or less 80% of it throughout the years I put in banks, in, in Lebanese banks. And um, to be honest, it was because it was convenient it was easy. That's my, what my family was doing. And I was earning interest rates on it. And back at the time, I didn't know that even if I put them in, um, in dollars and in British pounds, it wouldn't make a difference if, an, if a crisis ever was to hit. That was so, so far-fetched to me. And I, um, I didn't even inquire about it. You know, I didn't ask questions. And today, if I'm totally honest, you know, there's a part of me that feels very regretful and... Um, and I, I'm feeling the pain and the suffering of that. And, uh, but, you know, I can't go back in time. And I'm doing my best to see what are the opportunities 
that lie ahead with this. So I'm trying to figure out what it is that I can do with that money that's stuck in Lebanon. And I'm trying to help as much as I can uh, with the money and see also seek if there are any opportunities because the silver lining that I see is that we're going to move now from importers to exporters. We have to. And we have a lot to export, a lot to export beyond products. We have talent to export. And, and even what's going on with coronavirus, I think is, there's a silver lining to it too, because the world is moving to a remote world. And so from Lebanon, for the first time from Lebanon, we can offer our talents, we can offer our intellect, we can offer all of the um, tremendous qualities that we have as Lebanese people, but from our country. And, and, that's, and that's huge, you know, on, on the long run, you know, thinking beyond me and beyond the money that I have. And thank God, you know, I don't, I don't need that money to keep going on my journey. Beyond, beyond all of that, you know, on the long run, I think this is going to be great for our country as long as, as politics don't heavily get in the way. And that, uh, that's definitely something I cannot talk to because I am, I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not an expert to say the least. <laughs> I understand, but I'm sure you were heavily influenced um, by politics when you were growing up, especially being from uh, a village like Bikfeya, which is um, heavily dominated by the Kate'ib party. Uh, my partner is from Bikfeya, and uh, it took him a while to be able to break through and realize that he didn't have to follow this party just because he was from there. And, um, and it took him a while to find his individuality. I think it was easier for you maybe because you uh, got out. So you decided to... Uh, you, it was easier for you to disassociate in a way, um, which is quite yeah. interesting. So, uh, but moving on, um, I wanted to relate to the fact that you were talking about having talent to export. Uh, and I agree with you this, uh, with, on this fully. Uh, I think there are copious amounts of different talent um, from music to art to, <clears throat> in, uh, to training to journalism. We have a huge, a huge amount of uh, people. But I guess what, what uh, the point is, is that they may not have the resources or the contacts to be able to take this to a remote work. And um, I guess it also relies on credibility. I mean, you having the chance of establishing these contacts, especially with someone like the CEO of Canal Plus, um, has given you the chance to maybe establish yourself more uh, through online and, and developing your contacts. How can you play a part in creating this bridge? You know, being part of uh, the Lebanese culture, now part of the diaspora, doing very well. What can you do to help bridge this gap, to bring the people in Lebanon closer to experts and professionals abroad that can help widen their horizon and help them in one way, shall we say, in Lebanon, it seems to be the talk of the town, bring in fresh dollars. Yeah, you, you know, to, to me, I, um, right now I'm, I'm exploring avenues. So I haven't acted, um, I haven't tangibly acted on these yet. But for me, for example, ideally, I would find an outlet to be able to um, provide services to my clients abroad by involving, by hiring Lebanese talent from Lebanon. They don't have to leave. 
that, that's what I'm considering. I, I have friends also who have started, I think it's called Jobs for Lebanon. Um, the Baladi bro uh, brothers, um, they're also helping a lot. And I, I think this is, this is where the diaspora has a very important role because we have connection outside. And um, what we need to do is just keep, keep, our, keep our ears, keep, keep our eyes open for opportunities to let Lebanese people contribute to any effort that we, that we see. You know, um, for me, for example, the CEOs that I'm in touch with, the, um, even all the professionals that I'm in touch with right now, if I know that they are wanting to hire talent, then you can bet that I will, I will talk to them about finding out who can help them in Lebanon. Because also, it's, um, right now, the price versus quality ratio is great for them as well. Yeah, well, most definitely. I think that's the in 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 a way, it's a benefit to them. Um, it's sad. It's for, a win win for yeah. all. In a, in a sense, it's sad for the people that currently. I mean, for example, I live in Lebanon. I'm half Lebanese, half English. My uh, my listeners do know that, but um, I have the opportunity to leave. I can get on a plane tomorrow and make my way out. So I think there is a lot of um, issues that we have that uh, the Lebanese are facing, and I think their their only grace now is being able to connect online with um, people abroad to be able to establish some form of professionalism and 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 work yeah. which uh, in, a, in a way you can say it's a win-win but it's uh, it's a big loss uh, for those talents so a lot of work has been taken away and that work was in dollars and yeah. was always going to be in dollars now he, you're being offered jobs in lira which is nearly 60% of what you used to earn. And you're, you feel that, you know, uh, your value as a talent has been taken away and it's being tarnished and it's being abused because you're having to sacrifice what you, you would usually charge because everybody knows that they can charge, uh, that they can charge you less. Um, and still you will probably say yes. So uh, I think there is a huge disconnect there. Um, and people abroad are seeing it as an opportunity to exploit um, the Lebanese talent. And you're talking, I'm talking established talent, um, unless they've managed to uh, create these um, lines of communication with abroad. So I think, you know, being part of the diaspora and maybe the role that you would have to play in that sense is making sure that that exploitation isn't taking place, you know, because at the end of the day, you're, these people are carrying degrees from American universities. They're well established. They've been working in the Middle East. It's not just Lebanon. They've been working with high ranking agencies. Now, why, why should they have to sacrifice their talent and their value to be able to keep up and, and keep getting jobs? How do, you, how, how do you see that, especially from a perspective of leadership and business? That, that's, a, that's a great point and, and a great question. And, and you know, I, I could only see one piece of the puzzle and, and maybe I, I would speak about my, my own perspective and, and what I, I would do in the situation. It's, it's a bit of a trade-off, you know, for... Obviously, there are Lebanese people who want to leave the country and, and who are not able. And there are Lebanese people who choose to stay. I know that right now, for example, someone who used to earn, I don't know, $5,000 could now uh, maybe feel happy to earn $3,000 in fresh money. Maybe, you know, and uh, 
some some business people will definitely will definitely jump on the opportunity on from the outside i i think i think so the, the way the, the way that i see it is a bit like okay maybe th- these are a few steps backward right now you know but we're going through a very very tough crisis in lebanon so the situation is is extremely difficult and accepting a few steps back right now which are actually not a few steps back because if if we're walking forward in a crisis even though it's not the same standards as we used to have we're still walking forward in a crisis and and that's very important because we are creating we are trailblazing new avenues and although on the forefront it looks like we're taking a salary cut we're taking less money in all of that which is very true um on the long run we are creating opportunities that we can capitalize on and once we you know hopefully the crisis becomes less and less uh, um of a crisis and we start uh, finding more balance in our country then all of those things that we have learned and all of those things that we have invested during the crisis then we can capitalize on them to hopefully be better off than we were initially Eli, I, I think that's such a wonderful answer. I was really hoping you would say something like that. <laughs> and uh, it's 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 so great to hear that. You know, you're in, basically you're investing in yourself to be able to capitalize later. And uh, I, I really appreciate that comment. You do have the attention of my listeners, and I do give people the opportunity to be able to leave something with them. Now, most of them are in the diaspora. We do have some uh, listeners that are based in Lebanon and the Middle East. So uh, Eli the floor is yours what would you like to tell them today to to the diaspora um who has money invested in Lebanon and money that is stuck in Lebanon i'm seeking to find opportunities to invest that money in our country and and create value in our country for ourselves and for the lebanese people and for the people who will benefit from whatever we create whether that is exporting products or exporting talent as we talked about so if anyone is interested in collaborating and exploring opportunities i i'm wide open and that is not only for the diaspora actually that is also for for people of of lebanon and my um, you know my, my message to any any individual listening to this whether it's um, they're lebanese or not is find what you love to do in life and if you haven't found it don't settle go after it truly because something can happen like it happened in Lebanon where everything that you work for for example if someone worked for the money i sure did at the beginning of my career could could be taken away from you but if you do what you love and you do it with passion and you make a contribution while you're doing it this can never be taken away from you and at the end of the day this is what will matter eli wonderful wonderful words exactly you know a bit anything materialistic can be taken away from you but your passion and your drive and and what you your purpose in life can never be removed and it will always give you the opportunity to make more money in the long run because you're still who you are 
So, Ili, thank you so much for those comments. And I just wanted to uh, remind our listeners that if you have just clicked in and are not aware, we are a crowdfunded organization. You can head to the website, levantex.com, to uh, pop in a donation to help us keep bringing stories like this alive, keep talking to people both inside and outside Lebanon um, and the world to be able to get what they're up to, what they're doing, and what we can learn. Now, Eli, thank you so much again for being with us today. I know you were a very busy man. Um, everybody, Eli does work remotely. He's been traveling the world and training um, at the same time. So it just goes to show you can have the pleasure of both if you put your mind to it. Am I right, Eli? Absolutely, yes. Whatever you put your mind to, you can achieve. Eli, one more time, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Sophie. It was a big pleasure. 